Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. We have a special speaker today. And uh, her name is Sherry Hondard. She's a dear friend of mine. Uh, she actually used to be my boss uh, a long time ago at a different church. So I'm going to invite Sherry to come on up. This is Pastor Sherry Hondard. Can you just welcome her and say hello to Sherry? So... If you've heard her name before, uh, it is because she's the founder and director of an organization called Hand to Hand. And Hand to Hand is one of our biggest partners here for missions in our community. What Hand to Hand does is it connects churches and schools together to meet the hunger needs of the students that go to those schools. So Hand to Hand was started in 2008, which was 15 years ago. It was under Sherry. And uh, she started this little organization that now, 15 years later, has served over 62,000 kids here in West Michigan meals. So can we just say thank you to her and Sherry? We love you. We're excited to hear from you. And just, yeah, thank you for being here today. Thank you. And I am so, love you too, David. I am so excited to be here. Uh, As David said, he was my intern for a while. He was a student at Grand Valley. And he was always, whenever... As soon as I met him, I even had people say to me, he is just so naturally gifted and teaching, and he was just very good at that. But there was the other side of him. He was also the Peter who would want to jump in and walk on water right away and maybe not have quite enough, you know, built in there yet. So we had a lot of good times, David. We challenged each other, and we continue to challenge each other. And I'm so thrilled that he's leading here because his heart has always been to bring others to Jesus. And I'm excited to be here, too, because I've also spent some time with your staff in prayer, uh, different prayer meetings that we've had. And you need to know that the team leading this church, I've heard their heartfelt cries to God in behalf of what God, they want God to do through this ministry, in this community, through you, through them. And there's a movement happening here. I visit a lot of churches, uh, a lot of churches for hand-to-hand. We now partner with about 145 and 273 schools. Uh, And there's all great churches. However, there's something special going on here. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit's movement because of their heart to reach this area and beyond for Jesus Christ. So... Just a little bit about myself and how Hand to Hand started. Uh, really didn't start an organization. I was on staff at my church and heard about 19 kids during the recession who were coming to school hungry, uh, unable to listen and learn, got into fistfights, whatever, full of anxiety. And I knew my church would want to help. And so developed this program, went in, just started feeding 19 kids. and. God himself has multiplied this in ways that, from the beginning, I prayed Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and let me tell you, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, and to him be glory for that. And my passion is for the church of Christ to rise up, and it's because I'm a living, walking testimony 
of what the Church of Christ can do. When I was a little girl, I would have qualified for hand-to-hand. My mom worked two jobs as a cashier. I was the youngest of four kids, and we had a lot of problems in the household. We moved frequently. uh, We rented. We never owned a home. My dad couldn't keep a job for whatever reason, and life was tough. But my mom always took us to church on Sunday morning. And it was there that I truly experienced an acceptance and a love and a compassion that I needed to experience as a child. I was hurting. I was one of those little ones that got in a fist fight. Just one, because I lost, but I did get in a fist fight. (laughs) Kids do act out uh, with anxiety. And so I just remember still vividly when I was a child of nine walking down an aisle during an altar call and uh, kneeling, and I was crying, and I was asking Jesus. I had heard hope for the first time. And I asked Jesus, and I remember feeling a hand on my shoulder, and it kind of, I didn't know who it was, and I looked up, and it was a man that I recognized from our church who has loved us, who had come to our home and brought food, and he was crying too. And little does he know, because we moved again shortly after and we left that church, that was the image that God gave me throughout my life as I faced different challenges, that Jesus' hand himself was upon me. And that is what I want, why my heart is so passionate about us as a church rising up to shine the love and light and truth of who God is. Throughout history, he's been a God of compassion. We see it as early in the Bible as possible. We see Jesus full of compassion, even weeping for the lost. And that is what he's calling us to do as well. So Frontline, you at Fairhaven, or excuse me, you at Frontline right now with Hand to Hand, uh, you started feeding and praying for kids, and I want to emphasize prayer because I believe prayer is more important than the food, and we know the food is pretty important. But you began, um, and all together you have served and blessed 157 students throughout those years. Last uh, year you served kids at Highland Middle and Northview Alternative Ed, 36 students. And this year you are taking on more schools, including Crossroads Middle, East Oakview Elementary, and Northview Oak, or North Oakview Elementary, excuse me. And I want to thank you for having the faith to step into serving more kids. The need is great. I want to thank you for going into these schools because even our teachers, our school staff, they are hit hard in life. And your faithfulness speaks volumes. I've heard it through the years, through our teachers, some who are far from God, who has seen and have now experienced and now know personally who Jesus is because of the faithfulness of people just like you. So yes, we are called in. And and to give you an idea, as I met with some of our families this year, and I asked them, could you describe your current situation in one word? And these are some of the words they shared. Barely. Surviving. Struggling. Chaotic. Paycheck to paycheck. In between living. Homeless. Hungry. Grandma. Can you hear the pain 
in those words. And shortly after that, I said, can you share how hand-to-hand has impacted you? And one mom said to me, hand-to-hand brings me peace. Can you hear that word flow over those words? Another mom said, hand-to-hand is like a beacon of hope. And my friends, although we cannot verbally share with them who Jesus is when you go into the schools, as we are praying for them, we are believing in the power of the Holy Spirit who is going in and revealing to them. And I did share with these families my story and the heartbeat of who we are and why I, we model. Which, when people came to me to duplicate what I was doing with 19 kids, I'm like, we're using the church. This is the church's chance to shine. And let me tell you, God has done amazing things. And so as we look at the Good Samaritan, and as remember, or even remembering that there's a whole lot of meanness in our society right now. If you weren't involved with the church, if, you, if I wasn't involved in a ministry where I hear people like you, but if you just watch social media or you just heard the news, people may wonder if compassion exists anymore. And so as we set up this Good Samaritan, we, through all of the Samaritans, Jesus usually started out with the kingdom of God is like. And although he did not start out this parable with that, I want to share with you what the context is in Luke 10, just prior to going into the Good Samaritan. And basically, he, Jesus has just appointed 70 others, 70 to go before he was going into the towns and villages. And he sent them two by two, and he told them to heal the sick. He warned them that it would be dangerous, but he was sending them out, and he said, proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then we hear and we read, and I hope you go back and read it, all 70, not 69, not 19, all 70 came back full of joy. And they said, even the demons submitted to you, Jesus, We are blown away. We healed people. They ushered in the kingdom of God when there was the kingdom of world pushing against the kingdom of God. And my friends in church, we are representatives the same way. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit as we've just sung to go out and yes, to heal and yes, to cast out demons. And we don't talk about demons anymore. But we have the authority to go in and push out the kingdom of this earth with the kingdom of God. And so it was right here and then and there that a lawyer, a certain lawyer, stood up. And before we get into this, as we read this story, would you be thinking about who you most resonate with? Who are you, do you most think you're like? Because the word of God is a mirror that we are to look intentionally upon our hearts, to look at not you don't have to look at your neighbor what's god telling me so just be thinking about that as we go and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life he said to him what is written in the law what is your reading of it so he answered and said you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength with all your mind and with and your neighbor as yourself And so just so you know, this lawyer isn't what we think of as a lawyer today. This was an expert in the Jewish law. 
So that's where the word lawyer comes from. He knew the answer. We know he wasn't, he really wasn't curious, God, Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? This right here tells us he is setting him up. He is testing him. Well, who is this Jesus? What's he all about? He had just seen all these miracles happen. Is this like, does he believe in the God we believe in? And he answered with the Shema, which is to love your neighbor, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, Jesus said, you, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then we re go into this parable. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So Jesus said, Which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So the road to Jericho, what did it look like? This is the road to Jericho, which the little pathway here, it's not a typical road, which we may envision today. You can tell it's a tre treacherous walk. It actually, Jerusalem was about a half a mile descent, and it was about a 17 and a half mile walk to get to Jericho. The listeners of the story would have recognized this because their evil lurked among here. You don't travel this road on your own. They also would have recognized the fact that priests and Levites would be traveling on this road because they were coming from the temple, from leading worship. Basically, um, a priest is always a Levite, uh, but not all Levites are priests, and so they would go and assist, though, in worship. They were ushering in. They had just performed an ushering in the kingdom of God and leading in repentance and the sacrifices, and they were going back down to Jericho, probably where they lived. And if you can tell by this too, it would have been difficult to cross over to the other side. I mean, you're kind of on a cliff there, a lot of rocks, and the, and the priest he just basically quickly saw and walked around. It does say the Levite went, came, and looked, and then he walked around. And we don't know why they walked around. It could have been fear. Maybe they were afraid they were still out there, and they're going to they're gonna get beat up next and, and robbed. It could have been they had somewhere else to go. They had an activity they had to get home for. It could have been they didn't want to get their hands dirty as the Jewish law for priests were you couldn't touch a dead person to lead worship. However, they were leaving worship, going back to Jericho. And in God's kingdom, 
Mercy trumps law every single time. As we know from Micah, what does God require of us? But to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That trumps everything. But whatever reason, they went around, and they did not stop to help him. So I'm wondering today, who do you pass by on your daily Jericho walk of life? Who needs to experience the compassion and kindness and love of Jesus through you? We don't stop for a variety of reasons, potentially. Maybe it's even fear. We don't know how to help. But it's obvious through this uh, parable that worship isn't what happens on Sundays or during when we're all gathered together on a church, worshiping. We are living sacrifices, and our worship occurs as we're leaving and as we're walking and going into wherever God has you go this week. So who do you pass by who needs to experience the kingdom of God? So let's read the next portion. The Samaritan comes along, and he had compassion on him. And, and it's interesting that Jesus flips the whole story here, as he often did. Uh, I would love to have been back there when he told stories, have, have the understanding I have now to, to really watch him in action. But he actually chose an enemy, Someone that the audience, really, especially the lawyer, would have hated. I mean, they wouldn't even walk through Samaritan land. And he had just used a priest and a Levite who crossed over, and he totally flips it, and he makes the enemy out as the hero. And he went and he had compassion, and he bandaged him, and he poured on oil and wine, which would help with infection, he set him on his own animal, meaning he would now have to walk that long journey. And then he paid two denarii, uh, but he offered to come and give him as much as needed. Two denarii would have covered back then about three weeks of a hotel. Hotel stay at that time, end stay, was about a twelfth of a denarii. So he was extremely generous. And we learned from this that... Um, Compassion, we learn from the Samaritan. Compassion isn't just feeling bad. Compassion will move us to action. It will cause us to be kind. Compassion will cause a disruption in our lives. We didn't know where the Samaritan, we don't know that either. He could have had something extremely pressing, but he came and went to him. And compassion will cost us something. It will make us give a sacrifice. And we see this so well in the Samaritan, don't we? And so today I'm wondering, do you have an enemy who God wants you to go to to display his compassion and his kindness, to pick him up, to bandage the wounds. Often we're so willing to help people who we know need help or that have been kind to us. Or we, But what about the enemy in our life? And we all have had relational things. I think of myself. Um, there were years I didn't talk to my dad. I had kids, and I began to think, how could my dad? I never had a relationship with my dad, but I'd see him, I would see him once a year, and I would always send letters to him. 
never, he would never call me. I would call him frequently. And I remember thinking, I don't understand how a parent couldn't love their child because I had kids. And I had decided at that moment, I'm done. I'm not talking to him. He might still send me a birthday card. I am done. The hurt was too great, just trying to get his acceptance, his love. And I was raising my kids, but I had ended up having four kids. And um, I was teaching Bible study. I was doing everything right. I was teaching my kids about Jesus and how they should live when someone mistreated them. I justified my behavior until God convicted me. And he told me it didn't matter what my dad did or how he may have hurt me. What matters was my heart, the bitterness. I needed Jesus to pour oil and wine on my hurts and to bandage me up again until I was fully healed. And so I reached out to my dad and I wrote him a letter and I simply apologized for not reaching out or responding to him in any way. I asked for forgiveness. I sent him a picture of my four kids whose names he didn't even know. And I still remember I was upstairs. There were no cell phones back there. Back then, yes, I'm older. <laughs> older. <laughs> and my husband all of a sudden walked up to me and he hands me the phone and he goes, it's your dad. And I literally about collapsed. And my dad said to me, Sherry, thank you for your letter. He goes, we talked a little bit, and then he said, you need to know my cancer is back, and it doesn't look good. They don't give me much time. I had no clue, but I went to visit him. He was 45 miles away. I took my four kids, my husband and I, and we went and we met with him. I w was with him in the hospital room, the only one with him in the hospital room. My dad died a lonely life. I remember praying over him. And I'm so thankful for the compassion and that God's kindness led me to repentance and that he was able to, to help me with those wounds. Because I will be very honest with you, had I held on to that bitterness and never had a chance to reconcile, I don't know if hand-to-hand -hand would exist today. Because that bitterness prevents us from truly living into the calling God has on each of our lives and for how he wants you to serve and bless and live in this world. And so I ask you today, is there an enemy you need to go to to offer hope and healing and restoration? So I'm trying to see, I'm sorry, what the next, let's go to the next screen. <laughs> I want to give you an idea of a need here in the community, not just this community. I'll tell you right now, Northview has a high community or high need as I look at this. I hear the numbers of your essential store hand-to-hand. -hand, um, we, there are about in Northview alone, uh, over about 1,300 students who would have qualified for hand-to-hand. -hand. And when I say that, it means a family of four to receive free lunch. Um, they have to make it less than 36,000, a little bit more, 36,76. That gets you a free lunch here in the school system. Uh, there were 1,200 students who qualified for that in Northview schools last year. Look at that income number. Think of the inflation we've all experienced. 
There were about 145 students who qualified. Uh, that was up to making about just over 51,000. That number is smaller, I believe, because often when you're you don't sign up for reduced lunch, you just try to make it. But I believe it's probably significantly higher. And it's about half, so a total of 1,600 plus did not need any assistance. But my point is, it's about half and half here, it's about 50-50. The need is great in this community, not just economically, but then also probably spiritually and relationally, people are dealing with issues. We deal with issues when we don't have economic problems, right? So imagine much more of that stress coming in to the lives of those struggling with things and how the Church of Christ, we are called to go in and speak into their lives. I'll also share that the need is great. You're close to Grand Rapids, and let me tell you, we can't find churches to go into Grand Rapids. And we are just praying for many to come up, so I told David, I'm gonna put a plug in, because I believe this church can do even more uh, and serve and bless. I remember this, this year I went to um, an alternative high school, which you serve, and I just wanna say thank you for that. These kids are at the end of the line educationally. And I remember I was asked to go because this alternative high school was raising money for a nonprofit. They chose us and they said, will you come in and help them with learning how you market and brand? And this is what they were teaching them. And so I went into the students. I loved it and I'm with them and, and they were closer to the city. And so they have different demographics than I do. And I remember as I went around and spoke to each of them and I said to this student, who was probably 16, 17 years old, I said, well, you're a big guy. What do you do when you get hungry? He goes, well, I work now, but I go to the store and buy things, but it doesn't go very far. And I said, what do you do then? When you run out of food, you're, you don't have any more money. He said, I pray. My friends, people are praying. And they don't even know they're praying to our God. There's only one God. People are praying for you to come into their lives and to touch and to heal and to bandage and to restore, to carry them to the feet of Jesus. And I wonder, who do you identify the most with in this parable? Maybe you're the lawyer who's testing and questioning or the priest or the Levite who feels is pretty religious, loves God, really read the Bible, but maybe don't have time or don't really feel like that compassion thing is your thing. Maybe you're the Samaritan. I've been all of them. Every day I'm probably all of them. But the one I resonate the most with is the, the man laying on the road beaten up. Because we've all been wounded, haven't we? We've all been beaten up, left half dead. And I'm so thankful for a Savior, Jesus, who is willing to come alongside each of us, to come to us, to bandage and pour oil and wine and help with healing and then put, him, put us on his shoulders, not his animals, and to carry us. And my friends, it's that that leads us to want so badly to go then and spread this compassion. This world is in need to see Jesus. This community needs to see Jesus through you. Your enemies need to see Jesus 
even if it's difficult for you. And so, in the words of Jesus, who, when we asked, who is your neighbor? Jesus doesn't really say this, but he implies that the kingdom of God is so big and huge and full of love and compassion and kindness. It's whoever he puts in our pathway that he is telling us to go to. We need ears to hear and courage to respond. Because just as Jesus said, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. My church, will you go and push back the kingdom of this earth with the kingdom of God into the people, people's lives who need Jesus? How will you go and do likewise? We have all authority, church. We can heal. We can cast out demons. It's been promised to us. Let's live into it and go and do likewise. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, you are so powerful, so compassionate, so good. I want to thank you for the way you have shown us your compassion, your kindness, your grace. Oh, Jesus, how you have helped us with our wounds. And for those sitting here right now, those wounds are still fresh. Jesus, would you come and pour on them your love and your anointing so that they see you through whatever pain they are going through. And Jesus, would you carry them so that they are also then able to be healed completely as you promise, so they can begin to restore and bring in the kingdom of God. God, for Frontline, I thank you. For such a time as this, as church is called, the people you have gathered here are called to shine the love and light of you like no other, like everyone needs to see it in no other time but right now. May they respond boldly. May they respond with the power of the Spirit. Would you guide David and the rest of the leadership team, Lord? Would you anoint them with your Spirit? Would you show them everything they need to know? And we will give you the glory, God, for all you have done and are going to do. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.